0: Hello and welcome to The Thrilling Adventures of Superman, a podcast where Superman still stands for truth, justice, and the American way. My name is Michael Bradley and this is episode 42. This time we will be looking at the 12th storyline from the Superman Daily Newspaper Strip, which wraps up the Superman at War trilogy. And later in the episode, I will present a spotlight on radio's first Lois Lane actress, Raleigh Bester. Real quick, though, before we get into the, the actual show, I want to announce a brand new podcast that I'm involved in. I have teamed up with Jeffrey Taylor of From Crisis to Crisis and former guest J. David Weider of Pad Smash, and formerly of Superman Forever Radio, Xavier's Podcast for Gifted Youngsters, and The Mighty Shield for a show called Green Lanterns Light. Green Lanterns Light is, of course, as you might have guessed from the name, a Green Lantern podcast. Our regular coverage there will focus on Green Lantern stories, beginning with Green Lantern number 172 from 1984. That issue is the beginning of the Len Wein and Dave Gibbons run on the title, which then feeds into the Steve Englehart and Joe Staten run and continues through Crisis on Infinite Earths, and into when the title is renamed Green Lantern Corps. And beyond that is just all sorts of awesomeness as we get into Emerald Dawn, and the Gerard Jones run, the Green Lantern Mosaic, and hopefully well beyond. It's going to be a monthly show, and our plan is to cover three months worth of books per episode. The first episode actually takes a look back at three classic Green Lantern stories to introduce key concepts and characters in the mythology. And really, the point we're starting at in our regular coverage is a fairly decent jumping-on point. So, even if you're not very familiar with Green Lantern, I really want to encourage you to give it a listen. We've recorded two episodes so far, and we've had an absolute blast doing it. I'm really excited because I think the show is going to be a lot of fun, and I think folks will really enjoy it. There are just a lot of classic stories in the, the run that we're going to be covering in, in down the road as well. And we'll get stories with Hal Jordan, Jon Stewart, Guy Gardner, and a lot of other core members. While it'll be a couple years down the road, hopefully we'll get to the Kyle Rayner stuff as well. I know David and Jeffrey are both really fond of that era, and I'm looking forward to exploring it more myself. So, once again, the show is Green Lantern's Light. The first episode will be out this Saturday, October 22nd, and you'll be able to find it at greatcrypton.com slash lantern as well as on iTunes, so I really hope you'll check it out.
1: Lancers, I've called you here to this unprecedented gathering because we face an unprecedented danger. An enemy we don't yet fully understand. It was for this moment that we were created. But I don't need to tell you your duty. I don't need to tell you who we are.
0: Chosen by the mystic guardians of the universe. Recruited from across the galaxy for their bravery and courage.
1: The best and brightest join to fulfill a solemn oath.
0: In brightest day.
1: In blackest nights, no evil shall escape my sight.
0: Let those who worship evil's might beware my power. Green, Green Lantern's, Lanterns light. light.
1: Green Lantern's light. A monthly podcast covering the adventures of Hal Jordan, John Stewart, Guy Gardner, and the entire Green Lantern Corps from 1984 through today.
0: Say the oath. Join the Corps.
1: Green Lanterns Light. Available monthly at GreenLanternsLight.com
0: The 12th storyline from the Superman Daily Newspaper strip was 20 strips long, comprising strips 335 to 354, and it ran from February 9th to March 2nd, 1940. That means it was running at the same time as the Sunday strip that we'll look at next episode. While this story was running in newspapers, the world also saw the publication of Superman number 4 and Action Comics number 23 as well as the debut of the Superman radio serial and its first two storylines, all of which we've looked at in recent episodes. So there's lots and lots of big stuff going on in Superman's life outside of the newspapers. And really, given the artistic changes that happened in the second part of this trilogy, it's a definite time of change throughout Superman's various media incarnations. The Look magazine article was also likely published around this time, which I make note of due to the end of this story, which we'll get to shortly. Our story, as always, was written by Jerry Siegel. And pencils, according to the Grand Comics Database, are by a brand new name to the show, but one that many of you, I'm sure, will be familiar with, and one we'll be hearing a lot more of as we go forward, and that is Wayne Boring. Helping Boring out in the art is Paul J. Loretta as Inker. I'm not completely sure that Boring penciled all 20 strips. Dennis Neville may have had a hand in the earliest strips in the story, but I couldn't find anything to confirm that. And it's completely possible that the things I'm attributing to Neville are actually Paul Loretta instead. And as well, I'm pretty confident that Joe Schuster had at least a small part in the art here. But again, I couldn't find anything online to confirm that. But I would just be very surprised if it wasn't true. This storyline is the third part of the trilogy that we started looking at in episode 32 and continued in episode 36. And our title? Superman. At... Just to briefly recap, in our last two parts, agents from the country of Blitzen were committing acts of sabotage and terrorism across the United States in an attempt to frame the country of Rutland and draw the U.S. into the war on Blitzen's side. Superman discovered their plot and was ultimately able to thwart their plan, however, with the public unaware of the true guilty parties, The ramifications of their actions still threaten the peace. As we open here, having left the Blitzen agents for the police, Clark returns to the Daily Planet and is chewed out by his boss for being gone. Clark explains that he was working on the story of the sabotages and fills his editor in while presenting what he calls concrete evidence that Blitzen was behind the various attacks. The editor responds that, be that as it may, it's too late. The public is already angry with Rutland and demanding military retaliation. He goes on to say that one voice won't do anything to squelch the mob. So, slipping away, Clark changes to Superman, saying that if the nation is hungry to enter the war, then his only option is to stop the war before that happens. Leaping out, Superman speeds down the road, knocking cars and innocent drivers off the road on his way to the docks. Once there, he takes a flying leap into the water and swims through the furious waves. My destination, he says to no one in particular, Europe Superman speeds through the waters, covering miles within minutes. We're told, and soon he comes across a steamer called the Tortula, which is transporting war refugees to the safe shores of the United States. From beneath the water. A blitzen submarine surfaces and fires a torpedo at the tortula. Passengers aboard the ship watch in abject horror as the deadly missile rockets towards them. Thankfully, though, the torpedo misses the ship, and the people are safe. However, Superman, having witnessed the entire incident, says even though the torpedo missed its mark, he won't. Swimming towards the sub, Superman slams into it, crashing a hole in its side. After a few mocking words to its occupants, Superman then swims away as the submarine sinks. Now that I've performed my daily good deed, on to Europe. His good deed of, you know, multiple counts of murder. (sighs) Anyway, going on with his journey, Superman soon nears land and is spotted by members of the Blitzen army aboard a ship. They demand that Superman surrender, but when the Man of Steel refuses, they respond by firing shell after shell towards Superman. Our hero is unharmed by the assault, of course, but now... really angry. And as we know, you shouldn't make Superman angry. Because you wouldn't like him... when he's angry.
1: Hulk! Smash!
0: Swimming up to the side, Superman grabs the hulking ship and heaves it overhead. He then strides over to some nearby rocks and lowers the boat once more. And with yet another bit of mocking, Superman leaps off, leaving the stranded boat in his wake. We soon find Superman racing through the Blitzen streets as an air raid alarm sounds. People flee in panic, headed for shelters, and within minutes, planes soar overhead, dropping bombs on the city below. Set for a fight, Superman leaps into the air and lands atop one of the bombers. As another of the bombers dives toward him, machine guns ablazing, blazing Superman plucks the flyer from the sky, and with a toss, throws it into another of the bombers, causing both to explode, and killing the pilots and gunners. The pilots of the plane that Superman is on twists and dives to try and dislodge the Man of Steel, but he clings tight, soon making his way up the fuselage and ripping the machine gun from the plane, rendering it helpless. Superman warns the pilot to retreat, or face an even worse fate, and then leaps off, landing safely on the ground, right in the middle of a battlefield. Seeing Superman descend into the middle of the fight, the two forces turn their fire on him, and as shots bounce off his invulnerable hide, Superman throws his hand into the air and shouts a demand that the troops hold their fire. Shocked over Superman's thunderous shout, the shooting stops. Superman responds by picking up a cannon with one hand and tearing it to pieces, daring the troops to try such a stunt themselves. His impressive feat leaves the troops slack-jawed with awe, and with their attention his, Superman tells the troops, Hold your fire for half an hour, and I'll prove to you just how senseless this war, and every war, is. One of the army's generals doesn't take too kindly to Superman's requests, and orders the troops to resume firing but the troops refuse, allowing Superman to bound off, wondering how he'll make good on his promise. Soon, we find Superman, racing into the estate of the dictatorial leader of Blitzen, a man named Amork. Superman easily plows through Amork's guards, flinging them onto the roof of the home, and despite their warnings that Amork has a reception planned for him, our hero forges ahead, intent on unseating the ruthless ruler. Superman moves cautiously through the home, knowing full well that there could be traps around any corner. But suddenly, a lightning bolt streaks from the ceiling, blasting Superman square in the chest. Thankfully, Superman's super strength allows him to withstand the jolt, and he continues through the house, finally confronting the dictator who is... playing with puppets. Vile, sinister puppets of devious evil, no doubt. The twisted fiend. The diseased maniac. No, no, see, he's orchestrating the war between Blitzen and Rutland, hence he's a puppet master, and now he's playing with puppets. Oh, you Golden Age comics and your subtlety. Anyway, Superman tells a Mork to end the war, but the dictator warns Superman to stay back, grabbing a sword from the wall and slashing furiously at Superman. When he sees the sword has no effect, the cowardly dictator drops the sword and tries to run, but Superman grabs the sword and tosses it javelin-style, piercing the Mork's coat and pinning him to the door. As the Mork cowers in fear, Superman grabs the dictator under his arm and leaps off to Rutland, where he confronts General Gotha, head of Rutland's military. Grabbing him as well, Superman takes both men and leaps off once more, soon arriving back at the battlefield, just as the 30-minute deadline ticks to a close. Again addressing the troops, Superman presents to them the two officials and announces the main event. Turning to the two men, he demands that they fight. Each other. The men refuse, saying they don't fight, as they have others to do that for them. But, after Superman threatens to clean both of their clocks himself, the men decide that, hey, maybe we should actually do what the guy says. The two men then lock horns. But, as you might expect, they end up fighting like girly men, including... I kid you not, slapping and hair-pulling. Seriously. Superman mocks the two men and their laughable fighting skills, and soon the jeering and laughter spreads throughout the gathered troops of Blitzen and Rutland. Soon realizing the ludicrous farce that is their respective leadership, the troops in both armies throw down their weapons and cheer as Superman leaps away, proud of a job well done. Our final strip finds Superman swimming back to America, and later, in a nice bookend to how the final strip in the story before the trilogy began, ended, checking the headline in the Daily Planet proclaiming, Europe at Peace! Leaders in Exile! Reporting back to the Daily Planet, the editor congratulates Clark on a job well done, saying his story was so well written, he's not sure if Clark could have done a better job if he were in the trenches himself. Later, for no reason in particular other than we've got one more panel and haven't seen her in a while, Clark approaches Lois for a date. But, to Clark's chagrin, Lois shoots him down, wondering to herself how she could ever be expected to waste time with Clark when there's always a chance that Superman might look her up. The End And this was a fun story! It was simple, but just fun, fun, fun. I really liked this story quite a bit, and I want to stress that because as I get into my notes here, I'm mostly going to make negative comments towards things, but I did like this quite a bit. It was fun, the action was dynamic, the story was solid, the art was good. I just don't have much more specific to say about why I liked it beyond that, because like I said, it's a fairly simple story. And really, the only negative thing I have to say about the writing part of the story is that Superman is, once again, very kill-happy, both with the submarine crew and in the scene where he's trashing planes in the sky. And actually, this strip, or this storyline, brings up something else that I hadn't thought of earlier, because the art shows three people in each of the planes. And that makes sense, because you would need at least a pilot and a gunner. But... (laughs) That ups the kill count from previous episodes where he's done this type of stunt of Wrecking planes. One last comment about the writing, and this is more of a general comment uh, pertaining to to the Daily Strip, the Sunday Strip, and the comics, but it seems that Siegel has slowly or subtly been increasing the the jokiness. Is jokiness even a word? It just seems Superman is making more quips lately. Um, he's not as bad as Batman around this time, and he's con- not—you know—he's not constantly cracking jokes. I'm not even sure if they would qualify as quips or puns, but it just seems like the dialogue has gotten a little lighter. Um, the shift in tone for the stories is a gradual one, and I'm pretty sure that this is another early indicator. The rest of my comments are about the art. This set of strips is completely in the, n- the different style that we started in the middle of last story, but. This does feel somewhat closer to Joe Schuster's style, uh, perhaps because of Wayne Boring doing the penciling, where in the final half of the last story it was Paul Loretta by himself. It also seems to shift slightly as the story goes on, which is why I said at the top of the show, I, I'm not certain if Boring penciled the entire set of strips. But, on the other hand, that refinement could also be Boring getting you know, more used to drawing the character as a, as the story goes on. Boring had been working in the Schuster shop for some time at this point, but he'd been working on other features, not Superman. Still, the S shield is bigger and pentagonal with a slightly more stylized S. Even though we're barely into the new look, it's awesome seeing that bigger, fuller shield emblazoned on Superman's chest. I talked last time about the trunks, and they're back to the classic style here, rather than the Jim Short style he had last time. But they're still a bit fuller than what Schuster drew them originally. Uh, We're definitely on our way, finally, to that classic look of the costume. There are a couple other differences with Boring in this new style. First of all, the planet's editor looks different. But he only appears in three panels in the first strip, so it's hard to say if it's a change in his look or just a fluke. Uh, But we'll watch that as we go forward. And the other is that Superman's muscles seem much more defined which is something that owes, I'm sure, to the fact that we've got a new penciler on board. Even though the art here is slightly closer to Schuster's original style than Last Story, there's still that bit of forward progression that comes with every new artist. Um, this new style isn't terrible. I don't hate it, I just don't love it. Um, it's definitely better this time, but I don't know, I could still really just kind of take it or leave it, I think. Which I hate to say, because Wayne Boring is an incredible artist, it's just we're not we're not quite there yet and boring boring's not drawing in that style that you know it, that will become known as the boring style that that he'll adopt and becomes iconic in the 50s but you know we're 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 getting very close to that classic look of superman at least what i picture the classic look of superman post joe shuster doing all the stories i looked back over all three parts of the story and don't really have too many comments about the the overall arc that I haven't already said, but I hope you can see why, now that we've gone through all three parts, I split it over three episodes. It's all one story, but with three distinct parts. Each is a story in and of itself, and you don't have to read the other two to enjoy the particular one. We're going to start seeing some longer newspaper stories pretty soon, so I kind of wonder if this wasn't Siegel experimenting with the longer format, but still trying to have somewhat of endpoints, or at least, quote-unquote, chapter breaks. Um, all of these strips ran consecutively, you know, one right after the other, and there's nothing in the strips themselves indicating that it's the end or, or what have you. It's, it's just the end because it's the end of the story. But I just wonder if he wasn't experimenting with longer stories, either to get his feet wet creatively or to, you know, test the syndicate and see how they would react. In any event, this story like the last was reprinted in the second volume of dailies from Kitchen Sink, and as always, it's online for free at dccomics.com, and you'll find a direct link to that in the show notes.
1: Take the mightiest superheroes on Earth, each an invincible champion of justice.
0: Band them together in a common cause against crime and evil.
1: And you have the Justice League of America. And now their adventures are being chronicled on the Podcast of Justice, a biweekly podcast covering every issue of the Justice League from the Silver Age to today. Join host
0: Charlene Meyer. Isaac Frisbee
1: at Podcast Superman.
0: A name known throughout the world to all ages, races, creeds, and colors. But what about those behind the shield? Men and women who, for over 75 years, have given us a legend. are their stories. Raleigh Bester was born Raleigh Gulko, December 21, 1917, in New York, New York. On September 16, 1936, she married Alfred Bester, and the two would remain married for 48 years until her death. While at the time of their marriage he was not yet published, Alfred would go on to become a well-known science fiction author in prose novels, short stories, television, radio, comic strips, and comic books. Alfred's best-known work includes The Demolished Man, which won the first-ever Hugo Award in 1953, as well as The Star is My Destination in 1956. His comic book work primarily consisted of writing Green Lantern stories in the mid-1940s. However, he also wrote stories for other features, such as Genius Jones, Starman, and Captain Marvel. But that's Alfred Bester. Raleigh, on the other hand, was an actress. Prior to World War II, Bester appeared in several Broadway productions before moving on to radio. In 1940, Bester appeared in the Superman radio program, as the first actress to give voice to Lois Lane. Bester voiced the character in her first appearance on the show in Episode 7, which aired February 26, 1940. Bester's time as the spunky girl reporter was short, however, only voicing her in three or possibly four episodes. The character of Lois Lane then disappeared from the serial for roughly two weeks, and when she returned, was voiced by a new actress. However, Bester's radio acting career continued on for more than a decade as she voiced characters on a wide variety of programs, including science fiction anthologies X-1 and Tales of Tomorrow, dramas such as The Fat Man, The Chase, and The Big Story, and variety shows such as Cavalcade of America. As radio gave way to the growing fields of film and television, Bester transitioned over for a few smaller roles. Including Stage Struck, starring Henry Fonda, the documentary With These Hands in 1950, and a 1955 episode of Sherlock Holmes, starring Ronald Howard. Bester soon left her Hollywood acting career as she and her husband moved to Europe in the mid to late 1950s. When the couple returned to the United States from Rome a little more than a year later, Bester became an advertising executive with Ted Bates and Company in New York. With the agency, Bester would also serve as casting director and supervisor, eventually working her way up to be named vice president of the company. In the early 1980s, Raleigh and her husband moved to Ottsville, Pennsylvania, where they lived until Raleigh died on January 12, 1984, at the age of 66, due to complications from cancer.
1: Comics Monthly Mondays. Available the third Monday of every month at twotruefreaks.libson.com. Sawate, My name is Stella, and I am the host of Batgirl to Oracle, the Barbara Gordon podcast. Batgirl to Oracle is a podcast and site dedicated to Barbara Gordon, the first woman to hold the Batgirl mantle for an extended period of time, roughly 1967 to 1985. The goal of BTO is to examine the character's history from her first appearance as Batgirl and continue on through her current tenure as Oracle. Each episode looks at vintage issues of Detective Comics and Batman and modern issues of Batgirl and Birds of Prey. I also keep track of news involving Batgirl and other members of the Bat family, and I examine Barbara Gordon's appearances in the media, such as TV, film, etc. I've been blessed to be able to interview writer Brian Q. Miller, and I hope to interview more creators and actors in the future. My goal, most importantly, is to make a fun, entertaining, and thoughtful show that people enjoy and from which they learn. Please visit us online at badgirl and look for us on iTunes. Thank you.
0: It's nice to be able to focus the spotlight on Superman-related people outside of the comics. Well, actually, it's nice to be able to focus on anything outside of the comics, uh, finally on the show, but especially the people. Raleigh Bester's time and connection with Superman was short and often gets overlooked because Joan Alexander became so synonymous with the role, but Bester is significant given that she was the first to give voice to Lois Lane. Don't forget, I've added a page on the website with links to all the Spotlight features. I've done eight of them so far, including two-parters on Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster. And I hope, I hope you've enjoyed them as much as I have. Be sure to stop by the website and check out the page and listen to any you might have missed. But that's it for this episode. Next time, we'll be sticking with the newspaper strips, but moving to Sunday for the third storyline from that continuity. I haven't read it yet, so I don't know what to expect I know it is a shorter story but hopefully it'll be good so be sure to come back I want to thank you for joining me this episode though pretty much anything you need to know about the show can be found at greatcrypton.com there you'll find show notes for this and all episodes links to back episodes if you want to subscribe to the show the site will also give you the link to the RSS feed and the iTunes link if you have questions or comments or other feedback I encourage you to drop me an email at thrillingadventures at greatcrypton.com and you can also connect with me and the show on Facebook and Twitter and links to both of those can be found at the website as well don't forget the Superman homepage, Steve Eunice is awesome enough to post updates when I have new episodes even when I accidentally send him the wrong link like I did a few episodes ago Uh, Steve runs the the best Superman site on the internet, hands down, so be sure to check it out. The Thrilling Adventures of Superman is also proud to be a member of the Superman Podcast Network, home to many excellent Superman-related podcasts for you to occupy your time. So head on over to Superman Podcast Network and give a listen to all of the fine super podcasts that are there. And last but not least, I just want to remind you again, don't forget to check out Green Lantern's Light which is a new podcast I'm co-hosting with J. David Weider and Jeffrey Taylor. The first episode of that will be out on Saturday, so check it out. As always, Superman was created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster and is copyright DC Comics. Thanks again for listening to The Thrilling Adventures of Superman, and I will talk to you later. Goodbye.
1: it right there. What are we waiting for?
0: We scoping the place out, man. We ain't gonna just run up in there. That's how you get shot.
1: <sighs> Funny asleep. Absolutely nothing, you are. Who? What is good for? Absolutely nothing. Say it again, you are. Who? Yeah. What is a good, good for? Absolutely nothing. Wow. Yeah. Not no, 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 Everybody knows war. Who? Yeah. What is a good for? Absolutely nothing. Good God, you are. You all, it's y'all. Yeah. Y'all. Y'all. Yeah. Y'all. You sound like a karate movie. Y'all. Y'all. Say it from right here with some soul. Y'all. 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 Let me show your goofy how to do this. Good God, y'all. Yeah. What is it good for? Oh, absolutely nothing.